Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. Good. I got up here, one person clapped. That was my sister, I think. Uh, maybe, maybe not her. Um, hey, what a great day it is. This is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, just want to let you know, uh, for those who are out there who maybe haven't come back yet, we have initiated children's ministry here at this campus, and we will soon be opening up children's ministry in Middleburg. Uh, we had to work on it because we had to get the new system we're using down, and we're getting it down. So thankful for everyone who's volunteered and become a part of it. And if you're a part of the uh, Middleburg campus, we know we have some of you out here because of children's ministry. Uh, it, it should be here within a pretty quick time. We're working on it right now. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. Thanks also for giving. I mentioned a little bit last week, we've been in a bit of a tight spot here as a congregation financially. We're kind of moving through the narrows right now. I believe we're coming into broad open seas here pretty soon. Some of you stepped up, really started giving. We need you to help us as we come through this season. Funny, through COVID, we had no issues at all. In fact, we brought in more money than we typically uh, bring in, but in the past month especially, we felt a, a pretty strong dip and we've had to make some adjustments on that. So we appreciate it. You know, we need your help. This what keeps these doors open, keeps us moving and all those things. Thank you for being faithful. That was a great thing that Jay shared here just a minute ago. Hey, open your Bibles to Acts 2. Even though it's already been read, you know, when that happens, you know, and the Holy Spirit moves and, and drops the verse in the worship, you know, before I get to it, uh, kind of steals a little bit of my thunder there, but hey, he's in charge, so we'll let him do whatever he wants. And in uh, Acts chapter 2, this is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate the birth of the church. I'm not talking about Bethel Cleveland. We'll do that in the fall. <laughs> but this is the day that we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming in power and pulling all this stuff together that Jesus talked about and had been talking about right up to his death, and then after he resurrected from the dead, he walked around and did miracles for 40 days. Can you imagine that? You've like to have been there for that 40 days, like, you know, wait, isn't that the guy that was crucified? Yeah, he still got the holes in his hand. I mean, it would have been quite a, quite a spectacle, really, in many ways. And he healed people, and people were raised from the dead, and then, and then all of a sudden, he, he got with the disciples and said, look, I gotta go, I got some things to do up on the throne, you know, and, uh, but he said, uh, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. I don't know why some people in the church think that evangelism and fruitfulness is not of God. There are people that believe that. It's crazy. I mean, it's Jesus' final words before he ascended. is saying that the, the pebble's going to be dropped into the pond and the ripples are going to move out. And the church becomes the impetus. It becomes the the uh, kind of the exemplar of, of demonstration of what it looks like when Jesus is spread thin like peanut butter over an entire population called the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, boom, it spreads out. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, vertical, horizontal. And the Holy Spirit is that thing that explodes the church out into the streets like we see in Acts chapter two. So in Acts chapter two, verse one, it says this, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one accord, in one place. <laughs> That's a miracle right there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them diverse or divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, this big fire came down and then split up and started dispersing among all the men and women uh, and even children that were there. And so then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Uh, by the way, that has not ended. It's been a tradition now in the church, an activation in the church for 2,000 years. So people still speak in tongues like, like happened on the day of Pentecost. Why do that? People say, I don't know why you speak in tongues. I was talking to someone this week who was communicating to me about a friend they had and, you know, that was one of their issues or thoughts is why speak in tongues? Uh, well, because sometimes you don't know what to say in English. 
I mean, just run out of words. The Bible says when you not know how to say, the, the Holy Spirit, there's groanings of the Holy Spirit that begin to come out of you. And so it says, here's the result of it, verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. See, it's that, you know, Ezekiel's valley of dry bones. I mean, there was a shaking initially. First, there were dead bones. There was a shaking of those bones, bone to bone. It all came together. And then the breath of God, all Holy Spirit activation. The breath of God. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you felt like a valley of dry bones. How about this week? Any of you felt that way? Yeah, Yeah, a couple of you. And the thing to do is entertain the Holy Spirit. It's what we do when we come here on Sunday morning. We entertain the Holy Spirit. Why? We are ascending the mountain of the Lord. This was revelation to me this week. I know it's pretty simple, and you probably knew it 20 years ago, but I'm at the age where I know things and then forget it and get to renew it again, so it's really good. Like the goldfish in the bowl, you know. And so I, I realize God wants us to ascend the mountain of the Lord. In the peak of the mountain, I get you all have your prayer closet. You all have your own personal space in God. I get all that. Your soul, God's soul. I know you have a relationship. I'm not jealous of that. I've got one too. But there's something about when we corporately get together as one, in one accord, there's a mountain that we ascend. In fact, something like 20 psalms, I forget exactly what it is, 18, 19, 20 psalms, that are songs of ascent. In other words, it's the songs you sing on the way to the Lord. And on Sunday morning, I mean, we, we don't do many of these anymore. I was talking about it at our, at our song, uh, what that thing was called, the song lab yesterday. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't do a lot of that much anymore, but, but there are things that you need to be doing on your way to the gathering of believers. I'll probably exclude the name church because everyone gets bent out about that. We know the building's not the church. We know the place is not necessarily a church, but can be a place where the church meets. We are the called out ones. We're the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ. But when we get together, a big fire happens. If you ever start a little fire in your backyard, more wood, bigger fire. More wood, bigger fire. And the church is very much like that. So we are going up on Sunday mornings. I see Sunday morning. I know you'll disagree with this. I'm sorry to be apologetic here, but I'm not being apologetic. I'm just explaining myself. Sunday mornings, we are, we are gathering together from all over the city, all over the region to come to ascend the hill of the Lord together. And there's something that happens on the hill of the Lord that can last you a lifetime. A touch of God that comes upon you that transforms you. Bethel, Cleveland exists for transformation. We are a transformed people that hopefully are transformational. We've been delivered, therefore, we are deliverers. <laughs> you know, we've been in that place of called Egypt, and we're calling people out of Egypt because we have a story. We have an, a narrative. We have a testimony that says, I was in Egypt, but the Lord plucked me out, called me out. And so I get with other people just like that, and we, Sunday morning, we ascend the hill. The Lord, I'll tell you, during worship today, I could feel it. I mean, I, I almost feel like I'm... We were talking about different words as we were writing songs. I was on a team helping write a song yesterday. I, I feel so excited now, you know. I feel like a, an emerging rock star or something. It was just so, not really, but anyway. There's something about, you know, as you're in a room co- collaborating with other people and the words that came out and everything else. It was such, so sweet hearing the, the peppering of seasoning from the whole team as we're just kind of going around the room and it's creating something beautiful as we ascend the hill of the Lord. We actually wrote a song of ascent yesterday about the mountain. I think we called it the ascent or something. I don't know, I, I left early. But anyway, they may have changed the whole thing after I left. But anyway, it was good. We, we were ascending the hill of the Lord and there's something about getting close to the Lord. It's like climbing a mountain. You ever climbed a mountain? You kind of lose a little bit of your breath. I mean, you get up there, and there's anticipation to get to the top. Cindy, when we do this in places we go, she always, she's always at the top. In fact, when we were in Italy uh, this last time, I told her I, was, I didn't realize I had a heart problem at the time. And so I said, Cindy, go to the top, take a picture, tell me if you think it's worth it, then I'll come up. <laughs> it's honest, true story. 
And so she did, you know, she can run up to the top. I'm like, How does she do that? I don't understand, you know. I didn't know that I had a birth defect and I would soon have open heart surgery. So I tell her now, Cindy, you kept trying to push me up the mountain. It's all because of that life policy I have, you know. So. <laughs> she's not here right now. She's over at the hospital visiting somebody. But, so I can, tell you, I can say a lot about it right now. It says, every nation. The multitude came together and were confused. Back to Acts chapter 2. It says in verse 14, but then one of these fire guys get up and, gets up and speak. So here's the thing. You go, what does is, what is Acts 2 have to do with ascending the mountain of the Lord? Well, guess what? Theologians and archaeologists have found out that what they believe to be the upper room, and we know this is conjecture, but what we believe to be the upper room, which I've been there in the Holy Land, it's an amazing spot. It looks like what you think it would look like. And so you move into this room and you kind of feel the holy presence of God. It is built on the top of what they believe to be Mount Zion. And so they were, they didn't realize it. Jesus was sending them to the top of Mount Zion. Now, you got to know Israel. When they, when typically, outside of Mount Hermon, in Israel, when they call a mountain a mountain, it could be as high as this building. I mean, we'd call it a hill, probably. But, you know, there's not a lot of big mountains right there in the center of, of uh, unless you go down to Masada or up, you know, north into Galilee. There may be, a, there's a few, but not, not like we would see it, you know. And so they're, they're going up to a place that may only be hundreds of feet higher within the city of Jerusalem. And as they get to that place in this room, this upper room, I mean, this is a set up by God and his Holy Spirit. It was not an accidental place. There are places that are sacred. And if they're not sacred, they become sacred because sacred people go there. The holy ones. You are the holy ones, what we call saints. Saints, when they go to a place, they can declare the place holy and pure before the Lord. You might live in a household where there's a lot of anger and frustration and even violence. I tell you, you can flip that house by your presence. The Bible says you can win them over. Women, you can win them over without a word. Think about that. (laughs) I will say nothing more about it. Okay, Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice. Rather than cowering back, I'm not the one. I'm not him. I'm not, I wasn't with Jesus. The three-time denial, you know. Uh, just uh, uh, 50 days prior to this. So what's happened in the past month and a half, Peter? Well, now the Holy Spirit's come upon him. Raised his voice, said, excuse me, men of Judea. They just crucified Jesus and probably are still in a crucifying mood. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now at a glance, when you look at what's spoken by the prophet Joel, he's referencing Joel 2. There's Acts 2, Joel 2, Ezekiel 2, a lot of twos in the Bible. And those twos, the Holy Spirit moves in great power. So he refers back to Joel and you read that and you're like, well, Peter, that really wasn't what he was saying back in in Joel 2. I mean, have you really looked at that? I mean, he says, in Joel 2, it says this, and Peter repeats it. It shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So on the checklist there with Peter, check. Okay, yeah, the Holy Spirit's being poured out. Not quite the way we thought it would happen. Maybe they thought there'd be a, you know, gentle warming, you know, a little sense of the warming of your heart like happened to the famous John Wesley, you know? No, he comes like in hurricane fire. So there's something new going on. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now this is so important to the mountain experience. You know what, we're gonna raise up today, if you're okay, I'm gonna raise up in this next, next 20 minutes. I'm gonna raise up spiritual hillbillies here. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's fine with me. Just tell them that. Okay? Spiritual hillbillies. Here's what happens when you hang out on the mountain. When you hang out on the mountain, and Joel prophesied it a long time before Peter, he said, I'll pour out my spirit. This is kind of what it's going to look like. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. Isn't it interesting that the number one thing would be prophetic? Why? Because it's very important in God's economy. It's It's the earthly declaration of heavenly words. It's a, it's, a, it's a sacred, humble thing to move in the prophetic. It is scary as can be. 
And it's not a total takeover. He actually uses part of you. He uses your voice. He uses your lips. That's why your lips need to be touched by the coal of the fire of the altar of God, like Isaiah, that you would be cleansed, that you wouldn't speak. I, I teach on the prophetic for 40 years. I always say sometimes the prophetic is like drinking out of a garden hose in the summertime. <laughs> All that water in that hose has got warm, you know. The first 30 seconds of drinking is warm, hosey water. Have you ever had a prophetic word that was kind of hosey? You felt like, man, I think that was kind of out of his head. I'm not sure it was out of his heart. So you compare that summer hose with a fresh mountain spring. I actually did something you're really never supposed to do, but I was, in the, I was in Israel and I was down in the place where they say that David was hiding uh, in Getty and, uh, at, uh, uh, and there's a big spring and a pool there and he probably refreshed himself. There's caves all over the place. And so I went over there, I'm gonna do what David did, you know, you just don't do this in a foreign country. So I drank out of the, out of the water, you know, there was probably a sewage plant up the street, I don't know, but there was, you know, I was drinking out of it. I drank where David drank, you know. So something refreshing about the mountain spring and not so much with the garden hose. So the Lord calls us to prophesy on the unction and the function of the Spirit. Sometimes it's because of an unction, like, whoa, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit, you know. And sometimes it's just like, dude, I think I have a word for you. And you speak it. And it's powerful. I was with a guy this week, a precious man, He's a, uh, an Italian man that lives in Miami. He looks like he's right out of GQ. I mean, he's just this well-put, handsome guy, you know. We were talking about evangelism and everything, and, and somehow he asked me a thing, and I responded with Italy. Nine questions out of ten that anyone asked me, I respond with Italy. It's just, I love Italy, you know, and so I'm not Italian, but he is, you know. And I said, well, I'm an honorary Italian, and... Uh, I, I like going there. It's amazing, you know. And so he got, he, he like lit up. And then when he lit up, like he's a prophetic evangelist. I don't know what I am, but I try to do a little bit of everything. I'm a jack of all trades evangelist, you know. And so he's, he's going on. I'm going on like, you know, we spent two and a half hours together. I mean, once you get these two guys together, oh, yeah, well, you should hear this story. Oh, yeah, well, you should hear. I mean, we were just like having so much fun, you know, really going, uh, jacking up the uh, Holy Spirit stories, you know, what happened. But when he started to speak, the Lord opened up a picture for me. And, I, you know, that happens for me. And it's not something I literally see, but I know it's God. I mean, it's an impression I would never have otherwise. It comes. I started speaking it to him, and I spoke it over him. This guy has been all over the world. He's started revivals all over. Europe and probably other places I didn't get, I, don't, I, I knew in advance, I mean, I know who he is, you know, and I know what God's doing in his life, and we just rejoiced and drank cappuccinos and had a good time sharing the Holy Spirit stories, you know, and then, and then the Lord showed me this picture of him being a fire starter all over Italy, and that he would go all over Italy, and he's, all of a sudden he calms right down, he gets kind of serious-like, and, and it, it went deeper and deeper, and I was prophesying things that were beyond my pay grade, so it was like, I was prophesying things that I'm like, as I'm speaking it, I'm saying, I'm thinking, Lord, I, really? Are, you know, that, are you sure, Lord, that's what you want to say right now, you know? And, and, and really having a lot of self-doubt as I was speaking it, you know? Because it was huge. It was huge. It's about renaissance, about all kinds of stuff, you know? And, and I got done, and he says, you know what? I have had prophetic ministry all my life. He says, this is the first time anyone's prophesied to me, prophesied to me about Italy, and he says, the truth is, that has been my dream since I was a little boy, what you said right now. So I know there's, there's the power of the Holy Spirit. If you go up to the mountain, you spend time, you may get an experience and power of the Holy Spirit, but that experience is to come down off the mountain. What does that mean? You leave here today. We are on a mountain right now. We are on a spiritual mountain right now that we ascended during worship. And we got to a place every week, it's usually about 30, 20, really 20 to 40 minutes into worship. People are casting off thoughts and feelings about what happened during the week. They're starting to focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Something's happening. When they come, the idea is though you get touched on the mountain and you come down off the mountain. Moses went up to the mountain for what? For 40 days? 40 days up on the mountain. He spent so much, he was in the, he was in the, <laughs> 
he was in the toaster too long. Because when he came off the mountain, they could not look at him. He was so marinated in the glory of God, they had to throw a veil over him. Veil on, okay, I could talk to Moses now. Veil off, oh, why was the glory of God? There's something, I've, I've studied this before in my life and I really studied it this week. There's something about the mountain and transformation so that when you come off the mountain, in Moses' case, he came off the mountain and he, dealt, he came off with two tablets in his hand. We know, we've seen the movie. Two tablets in his hand. He came off the mountain and you know that they were doing evil things. The 40 days he was gone, you know, pastors away, all kinds of things happen, you know. And, and he comes down and, you know, in the movie, he throws those tablets down, you know, and breaks them open and he declares, you know, he, he starts this purification process and something comes of transformational power. Jesus, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, by the way, three times in the New Testament, it says, and Jesus went away to the mountain. And Jesus went away to the mountain. And Jesus went away to the mountain to pray, to be alone. Jesus understood, I'm gonna ascend the mountain. There's something up on the mountain that is different than what I get down here on the plains. And so he did that. He went up there. I mean, the Celts of the fifth century, I've said this many, many times, but the Irish Celts of the fifth century, St. Patrick, you know, those guys, they believed that a mountain was a thin place. That if you went up to the mountain, heaven thinned out. The, the layer between heaven and earth thinned out enough that you could see God in a greater way. They had three places that they called thinning places. One was the mountain, one was the coastline, and one was actually on the water. They loved boats. They felt those were thin places. They felt it so deeply that they would walk. If you've been to Ireland, there's huge cliffs over there, like a 1,000 feet. They would walk on the edge of the cliffs and pray because they felt it brought them closer to God. And one step, it would have brought them closer to God. <laughs> they, they walked along the edges, you know, feeling like, oh, Holy Spirit. And the wind blowing through them, you know, I can just imagine it because I haven't walked quite on the edges, but I've, I've been up there, laid down and looked over, you know, and, and prayed. Jesus, help me, you know. It was just kind of like so... <laughs> So they felt that. There, there are places you can go and places you can go, not even geographically, although I believe in that. I believe there's geographic spots that are more spiritually anointed or blessed than other geographic spots. And where there isn't one, you go and build something to, to claim the ground. That's why we plant churches. It's why we have three campuses. We're in three different counties because we want a, a little speck in each county that is lifting up the name of the Lord in, in the way that we do. Obviously, other churches are doing it. We bless them in that. But we want to be a prophetic impetus, a, a, a de declaration of sorts to take a stand like Peter and lift our voice. Jesus, when he went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, I preached on this probably a month ago, I forget. I love that passage so much because there they are and, and Jesus kind of comes off the ground like that would have been enough really to, to mess with me. But then Moses and Elijah appear. They represent, they're the two significant Old Testament characters in that one represents the law, one represents supernatural, the spirit of God. It's kind of spirit and truth, or, or truth and spirit, there you go. Spirit and truth, you know, represented there. Jesus is talking with them. Peter speaks up, as you know, and then God has to, like he wasn't getting what was going on totally. He, he wanted to respond and do something terrestrial in the midst of a celestial uh, moment. And from heaven, I, this is how I interpret it, from heaven God went, shh. <laughs> he said, listen to him. This is my son, listen to him. And, and uh, of course, when that voice spoke, they, they, they all fell on the ground. And what's interesting at the end of that, it says, and when they lifted their heads up again, they saw nothing but Jesus. I mean, that's what happens when you come out of here today. I hope you see nothing but Jesus. I hope in the presence of God on the mountaintop right now, I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it on my skin right now. I can feel that we are in the presence of God right now, and he is moving in and down each one of these rows, each one of these aisles, because we are on a mountaintop, and stuff happens on mountaintops. Transformation happens on mountaintops. Jesus himself, his, he turned as white his face was as shone like the sun the bible says 
His garments were as white as light. Shining like the sun, white as light. That was piercing to them when they looked at that. That's what happens. That's the intention of God for the presence of God, for the glory of God, for the mountaintop experience of God. When we ascend on Sunday morning, that's why I come early on Sunday morning. I come early, I walk around, especially on this property. I I did it up in Middleburg when we had the nine o'clock service. So I come out here now, I walk around the building I sit out on the patio, I chat with people, but I'm really not here to chat yet. I'll, I'll, you know, 15 minutes before I go around and chat with people and talk with people. But for that 45 minutes that I'm here, I'm just moving around, I'm walking back and forth up front, I'm praying, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating, when does the hike begin? It begins at 10 o'clock. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait because I know where we're going. I've been there, I'm one of those aggravating people that have been there. And you say, oh, you're gonna love this. It's gonna be amazing. Okay, okay, you know, we're all going up there, we'll get up there. No, but when you get there, I mean, when you, you know, as you get closer, like your heart beats faster. And when you get closer, you kind of know because your heart's flipping and you're, and you, and it's even hard, a little hard to breathe. You're just like, the breath of God is coming into you. I mean, you ever look into a fan and just let it, I mean, it's like, whoa, whoa, you know, <laughs> stick your head out the window. Maybe I've done that lately, but when we're kids, we do that. It's breathtaking. When you come in the presence of God, there's physical sensation that can happen, an emotional sensation, because you have gone to a place where he is moving in great power. And I know you can argue and say, isn't the Holy Spirit everywhere? Of course he is. Of course he is. Or right now, Jerry, Jerry could say, he could go home and, and, and uh, Missy would say, was Steve Witt there today? And he'd go, yeah, he was there. You know, he was there. Meaning, yeah, you know, I saw him, I, I chatted with him, whatever. But, but if I go sit on Jerry's lap, that's a different kind of being there. Yeah, I'm not going to do it, Jerry. I'm not going to do it. Sorry. I know you really don't want me to do it anyway, so I'm not going to do it. But if I sat there, especially uh, with my uh, pandemic uh, lockdown by, by uh, body that the Lord's given me that I'm trying to work on now to get reduced, uh, when I sat down there, he'd go, oh, Steve Witt's here. It's kind of like that in the presence of God. It's funny that the glory is called the kabod. <laughs> it's the kabod of God. When the kabod sits on you, ooh, the weight of God. It's a mountaintop experience. But it's not just for the experience. We're transformed, but it's a commissioning. Really, when we leave here at 1130 or whatever, yeah, ish, <laughs> we leave here at 1130 or whenever it, it's finished, I mean, it's not like, oh, that was good. You know, I'd rate it a seven and, you know, we'll come back next week. Maybe we'll get a good eight or nine on next week. And, you know, I did like the music a little bit. I might review that this week. And I like that one song. In fact, I think they should just sing that song the entire service and make the service five minutes long. That's what I feel like. So we leave with thoughts like that. The truth is we should be leaving here as a blaze of fire. We have come out of the mountaintop of God. It's like there's something, I gotta talk to somebody. I need to connect with somebody. I don't even have to wear my mask, so I'm I'm free to roam right now. Almost everywhere. I'm free to roam. I'm free to deliver what God's given me. I'm telling you, he's called you to empty out all week long the treasure of being in the presence of God corporately with everyone else. And then come back next Sunday and let's climb this mountain again. Let's climb this mountain again and pray that the cloud will settle on the mountaintop. So Joel 2 says this. He says, young sons and daughters will prophesy, old men and, and shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. What's he doing? He is breaking down every class in society. And, and if it was appropriate racially, he would, it would have been in there. He would have said, it doesn't matter what color you are, the Holy Spirit will come upon them. It doesn't matter how old you are. Isn't it great that this is not just a youth revival that we are in right now? It's an Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob revival. It's old people, middle-aged people, young people. We can all get it. Turn to the person next to you and say, I fit into this somewhere. Just tell them that. That way you feel like you're a part of what's going on here. It says, my maidservants, my uh, manservants, maidservants. I mean, it's talking about people that were servants. This is, this is class. I mean, it's, it's lower class, middle class, upper class. None of that matters in the kingdom of God. That's why heaven is, do you know in heaven it says every tongue, every tribe will sing and confess to the Lord. 
I mean, it's just going to be, it's, can we not embrace heaven on earth at least on Sunday morning, morning when we get together? That we rejoice that we're not all the same? That we have different opinions and different backgrounds? And that God, when he touches us, there's this amazing blending of just loving and being with one another, that is what the church is supposed to be. It's what Bethel Cleveland endeavors. We strive, we desire to, to bring heaven to earth and allow people to peek in the window a little bit on Sunday morning, either on the internet or in person, and experience the presence of God and create a hunger in your heart where you say, I want to climb the mountain with them. Every week, let's go to the top of the mountain because we're going to come off changed and we're going to change people that we come in contact with. I love this brother. I mean, all week long, I've, you know, I was thinking this week of Ryan Otto, who's our co-pastor up in Middleburg Heights. And uh, when we first met a year and a half ago, I forget when it was, but we were at Panera. And I just, he was referenced to me uh, as a potential hire. And I, uh, so I went out to meet him and talk. We didn't hire him, by the way, until I think six months later or something like that. But I sat with him and we had some similar background with the vineyard movement, which I was a part of many years ago. He'd just come out of a vineyard church and we started talking about it and the Holy Spirit, I tell you, Panera is like full. You know, Panera means time for bread. I love that. I, every time I go in there, I go in in faith. It's like, God, something's gonna happen here. I mean, it's where I do a lot of talking with people I do not know and sharing about Jesus Christ. It's just a great spot for that and they allow you to do it and I know the manager up there and everybody now because I've talked to them all about Jesus. And so uh, I, I love the connection that is there and it creates this atmosphere. It's like we've, we've created that as sacred ground in Strongsville, you know. And so we go in there and I sit down with Ryan and uh, all of a sudden, I didn't realize it, but we were ascending the hill of the Lord. When you start talking, when you talk Jesus, you're going somewhere. And so we start talking about Jesus and before you know it, we're we're coming into this place. We didn't really know it right away. In fact, we, we knew we got into like an inner circle, whatever this looks like, when we both got emotional. I don't know this guy. He doesn't know me. 20 minutes into it, we're both, we're both weeping for no reason. Like there was not like something someone said and it was like, oh, that's really sad. It wasn't even, it wasn't even the things that we were saying that were necessarily good. It was something about the atmosphere. The Lord allowed us to get intertwined in that moment. And honestly, in my mind, I thought, I don't know if this guy will work as an employee or not, but I, I want to hire him. I feel there's a connection there in the spirit, you know. And I think it's ver being verified that that is true. Now that he's been here five, six months, whatever it's been, you know. There's a connection like this is a spirit guy. This is an ascender of the hill of God. This is someone that hungers for the passion of God. Does he got some of the, has some of the skills we need? Yeah, he does. But that's not why I'm gonna hire him. I'm gonna hire him because I, I feel the kinship. He's part of our tribe. He understands who we are. See, do you understand who we are at Bethel Cleveland? Bethel Cleveland is a tribe that ascends the house of the, the it is the house, the hill of the Lord every week gathering all we can of the presence and power of God and going down throughout the week. We are that band. I, I wish I had time to read the scripture, but I love, I've referred to it many times in the past month. We're that band out of the book of Solomon, First Sol Samuel, First Samuel, I mean. First Samuel, that, that when uh, uh, Saul was being prophesied over, that they saw, the prophet told Saul, he said, you will go, toward the hill of the Lord, which he said is at Bethel. I love that. Just because we have the name Bethel, I think, this is, I love that. I fit right into that verse, you know. The hill that was in Bethel. We ascend the hill of the Lord. He said, you're gonna meet three guys and they're gonna give you some bread and they're, he's telling them all this stuff that's gonna happen. And it's just saying this journey up to the hill of the Lord, there's gonna be provision along the way from people you do not know. And it was true. And so as he got closer to the hill of the Lord, of course, he meets these three guys. They give him a loaf of bread. They give him several different things, you know. He's kind of moving toward it. It's like the initial appetizers of being in the presence of God. And then this wild band comes off the mountain. And the Bible's very specific. They had stringed instruments. They had timbrels. You know, we don't allow timbrels here, but they had stringed instruments, timbrels, like, like tambourine kind of things, you know. And they're coming off the, they've been in the presence of God they're coming down off the mountain and they're like a Georgian Banoff group. If you know Georgian Banoff, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> I mean, they just come off the mountain. They're excited. They're playing instruments. Woo! You know, they're, they're, they've been in the presence of the Lord. They're not, they're countercultural. They are not seeker sensitive. They're Jesus sensitive. They come off the mountain, they forget that not everyone's a follower of Jesus. And they're just playing, they're like, woo! The Bible says they were playing and worshiping God, but they were also prophesying. So this is a band of people that come off and they just have an atmosphere of the presence of God. We're carrying it down from the mountain. This is Uber Eats in reverse, man. We're bringing it out. We're bringing it out. We're delivering it to people everywhere they go. We're going in places. We're sharing it. There's something of a, a lightness and a little song in our step and the way we speak and communicate because we've been the presence of God. You go, but that doesn't happen every Sunday, man. We go after it, I tell you. It's the, if anything disturbs me when I go home, it's not how many people are here. That does disturb me sometimes. How late they got here, that does disturb me sometimes. But it's more about what we did in the presence of God. What happened? I mean, what's the ideal look like? The ideal looks like we're all being transformed. That's what the ideal looks like. What do we, how do we get there? We do it by playing instruments and singing and prophesying. Singing and prophesying. Why? We are that band. In fact, of anywhere in the Bible that I see, when I get to that passage way back 25 years ago, when a friend of mine preached it, Norm Beatler from over in uh, Wellington, over in Wellington, uh, preached it. I heard him preach one night. He preached that message. It stuck in my head for 25 years. And I said, that's the kind of group I want to be a part of. That's what I want to do. I want to leave Sunday morning or anytime we gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and leave there better than what I came in. Leave there transformed. Leave there with my lesser things left behind. You know, the weights that so easily beset me. Why would I ever leave those, take those out of the presence of God? Let them melt off of you and do not pick them up again. It's a narrow gate because you can't get through it with suitcases. You gotta lay down your suitcase and go in. It's like the old, what, the monkey with the, the jar of peanuts. He puts his hand in, he wants those peanuts really bad, but he realizes that when he, he doesn't realize actually, that when he grabs the peanut and forms a fist, his hand will not come out of the jar. You gotta release it, you gotta release it. If you want access, you're gonna have to pour it out. It's gonna have to be poured out on you. You cannot reach in, you will not. You've gotta release the stuff in your life and leave it outside the door and never pick it up again. It's the presence of God. It's the glory of God. So anyway, where am I? I need to look at my notes, I should really. It's, uh, so, so the church is the mountain. And we gather, when we gather together, it forms this vortex, you know, this amazing vortex of God. But think about this, Bethel Cleveland, my passion, what I believe is the Lord's passion is that we become mountain people. You know, I was studying that this week. I'm just sitting there meditating. It's funny how the Lord brings these things to my mind that I would never think of ordinarily. And I'm sitting there thinking, and he said, Bill Johnson. I just felt Bill Johnson. I thought, Bill Johnson. It's fine. I remembered, I prophesied over him about 10 years ago that he was the mountain man. He'll be known as the mountain man. And then I, I, th I thought I was sitting there thinking, I thought, well, Bill spent 17 years in Weaverville, California. And I thought, wait, what was the name of his church? Do you remember the name of it, Jim? Mountain Chapel. Mountain Chapel. And the Lord said, and I mean, it was all, the Lord, I felt the Lord impress upon me. Think about it. Think about what happened. You've got a man like Bill Johnson, who I admire very much. He's such a great guy. I mean, he's just a, a great Jesus follower. He's authentic as can be. He's a righteous man. Like, well, like all of us, we have to throw this in. He's not perfect. We all know that, of course. We're human. We're on this side of heaven. But boy, he, he is really a good man. He's a righteous man, you know, walking in the ways of God. And he was hidden away in little Weaverville. I've driven through Weaverville. It was like 30 seconds. You get on one end, you go to the other end, like that was it. That was Weaverville. He was there 17 years. Bill Johnson, why did he waste his time up there? Why don't you get, you know, move up the ladder, get into a better position? He felt like he was right where God wanted him to be. He was just being faithful, working with a couple little guys that, young men that were, that, you know, worked in a auto, uh, what was it, like a re auto part repair, kind of auto, auto parts deal. You know, and they're part of the church and they're faithful brothers, you know, helping support. And what he did is he gets this offer to go down in the valley. 
off the mountain he's been on for 17 years, Weaverville, down to Redding. When he goes down to Redding and experiences what he's facing, he knows what's facing, he brings the young guys up there that were running this uh, auto parts store, and one of them was named Chris Vallotton, and the other one was named Danny Silk. Danny Silk was a butcher, that's right. Danny Silk was a butcher. He worked for Chris once for a little while, but yeah, he came, they come down off the mountain. When they come down off the mountain, it is the band of worshiping, prophesying mountain people that came into Reading. And let me tell you, 11,000 people later, Reading is not the same. I've read the articles where it says Reading shifted. It's, it's racial diversity shifted because of Bethel. It's international diversity shifted because of Bethel. Ministry to the homeless and the broken shifted because of Bethel. Bethel came in the scene. They're not into city takeover in the, in the natural insurrection kind of way. They just started bringing heaven down to earth and all of a sudden the power of God hits and the nations are coming to Reading. Chris Valton, I talked to him on the phone this week. He said, he said I think he said over 100 nations were represented in their online school this year, the broadest expanse of people ever in their history, the diversity of it. The nations are coming like in the day of Pentecost. So what's happening there? It's a pouring out. Well, here's the thing. Bill's a mountain man. Bill knows how to go up to the mountain all the time. Not the physical mountain. He knows the spiritual mountain. He goes up there and he brings stuff down every Sunday, every Friday, anytime he's speaking and times that he's come here. You feel like that guy's been up in the mountain and he's bringing something to us right now. Healings happen all over the place. People are transformed. Why? Because he's a mountain man. He's somebody that knows how to get up the mountain, knows how to dwell in the mountain. God's called us here. Did you know here on this property, in this area, we are like the second highest spot in all of Northeast Ohio, this property right here. It's a little higher over on Pearl Road by Mapleside, where you can see to the west there forever, you know. But over here, this whole, all of Brunswick is like a finger sticking and pointing to Cuyahoga uh, County. That if you look on a map, we are raised up. If you go to Pearl Road, you go downhill on Pearl Road from Boston. If you go west, you go downhill from Pearl Road in Boston, going down on Boston Road. If you go east and you hit Hinkley, you go downhill in the Hinkley. Why is that? You ever looked on a, a topographical map? We are a finger pointing to Cuyahoga County. On this mountain, you say, oh, it's really not a mountain. It's Mount Zion. It's a hill. It's a hill of the Lord. It's the place. Where we, I mean, Bob Jones stepped on his property and said, this is Jacob's field. This is the place. Jacob's field, not referring to the ballpark, but referring to Jacob when he fell asleep at Bethel. And the heavens opened up. The voice of the Lord came. This is why we're here. This is why we exist. Because if it's not, I can recommend a whole lot of churches in this area that are amazing churches. But what do we do? We're gonna be presence people. We're going to minister to children. We're going to do all the things regular churches do. We're going to love children. We're going to love young adults. Youth, we're going to start youth group back up pretty soon. We're doing all these kinds of things. Those are tributaries off of the presence of God. But the core of who we are is going after God, going after his glory and his presence to be charged, to be transformed, that we may go out into the world. We're ready to kick back into outreach big time over this next year, actually. We're, I've already got plans in my mind, things we're gonna do. We're gonna get out in the streets. We're gonna minister to people. We're gonna see people touch, see them healed because the pandemic is, is filtering out and the presence of God is yearning to move in this great city in Jesus' name. Let's all stand together if we could. Yes, thanks, Mom. <laughs> you know, in Hebrews chapter 12, I should read my notes. There's some good things there. Hebrews chapter 12, Paul, if he did write Hebrews, said this. He says, you've not come to the mountain that may be touched that burns with fire to blackness, darkness, tempest, with the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them. So there's great fear. He's comparing two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Mount Sinai was, was religiously vibed. It was a great mountain for the time but it's something of an old covenant. If you touch the mountain, you die. Only Moses can go up the mountain. He says, so you've not come to that, but I love this. 
I mean, it's so terrifying. It says in verse 21 that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. <laughs> so when you got the top guy who just doesn't want to go up there either, it's tough. It's hard to follow God in that kind of an atmosphere. He says this, he flips it, pivots. But you have come to Mount Zion, Pentecost, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly, heavenly. So this is the city, it's organized, it's together, it's the church. It's heavenly, it's not earthly, it's heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable company of angels. All around this room, there's angelic voices that are here. I can sense it sometimes, other times I can't. But there's angels here. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. This is what he's talking about, the church. Who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than the things of Abel. What is that all about? It's earthly things. There's a blood that speaks better than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus Christ transcends everything in your life right now. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus. Jay, where are you? Okay, come on over. If you do not know Jesus, this is your time. This is your day. I'm Pentecost Sunday. You go, how do you know what Pentecost means? Let's put it this way. It's when the Lord kicked off the, the most beautiful thing that he desired and dreamed about called the church's bride. And he did it in an explosive way with fireworks, tongues of fire, power of God coming. So if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, I got good news for you. And Jay's going to walk you through it here in a minute. Right now, in the next moment, if you feel the Holy Spirit, and even if you don't, but I believe you do, this is a moment right now to say, you know what? I want the way, the truth, and the life. You'll only get that in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So right now, as it comes a time, you go, how do I do that? Well, you believe in your heart, the Bible says. You confess with your mouth. It's not just a simple confession, though. This is like throwing your lot in, saying, I'm going all in for Jesus Christ. When you do it, you are born again. The Bible says you're born from above. Now a whole separate life starts for you in Jesus Christ. So Jay, uh, let's take care of that. If we can get some of our ministry team up here and lined across the front, that'd be great too. Go ahead, Jay. Hey, so good. Mm. Would you just turn your face up towards heaven? And if you wouldn't mind, let's agree in prayer for what the Lord's about to do in the room. Would you begin to sing out in the spirit again? Just fill up this room with your praise. Come on, every voice, sing it out. That's beautiful. It's a sacred moment when someone comes home to the Lord. It's a sacred moment when they invite him in. that 
he loves me as much as he loves Jay, as much as he loves you, and you're not forgotten. The hairs on your head are numbered. That's how much he loves you. He wrote your name, it says, in Isaiah on the palm of your of his hand. Jeremiah says that before you were even born, he knew you and your days were numbered. You're not forgotten. And I woke up last, last Sunday morning to a message on Messenger from Facebook. And it said, good morning, we've never met. I've only heard good things about you because of your roots in Lucas, Ohio and your affiliation with Bethel Church. The Lord woke me up early this morning saying to pray for Jerry Nicewander to push through, to push through, to push through for breakthrough. This prayer is not lit up and I will continue to pray for you to push through until there is breakthrough. I said, Jody, thank you for the encouraging message. I appreciate your prayers. How do you know me? Just curious. She said, two years ago, I was listening to a podcast by Stephanie Gretzinger, and she mentioned your name. And several weeks later, I was in a conversation with somebody else that mentioned your name. And that was about two years ago, and I haven't heard your name or thought of your name since. But I woke up this morning, and I heard your name, and I couldn't get away from it. And the Lord said to pray for your breakthrough, your breakthrough, your breakthrough. moment it's like man the Lord knows what I'm walking through and what I'm pressing into and I'm sharing this and maybe he he's I'm sharing this publicly because he knows what you're walking through and where you're at and what your need is and what your breakthrough is and what you're going through right now this morning he knows what you're going He's wanting you to to take you by the hand and to walk you up, to walk you up that mountain and say, I'm with you. I've got you. I know your name. I know your name. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, if you're here this morning and you've turned around and you've ran the other way just because of circumstances, situations in your life man I am here to tell you there is no better day than today than to say Jesus I give you my all because you paid for it all you paid for my life you hung and you died on a cross for me and everything that I have done you have forgiven